This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Kim, what would have happened if you had actually hooked up with this girl that you met at the uh, the gas station? Well, I, first of all, it was a car wash. And second of all, I would be very prepared. And why would you be prepared? Because GetMod.com is there for me. GetMod.com sent me a box with the four essential ingredients to a sexy evening. One. Condoms. Two. Organic and silicone lubricants. Three. And probably the most important bomb ass dank ass vibrator this company is incredible they will send you the sex essentials in one little box they're beautifully designed top of the line very affordable so instead of running like a chicken without a head to all these sex toy shops looking for the vibrator the condoms oh i need to go here for the lube you got it you got it all coming in one box it's so easy just go to getmod.com enter promo code mom to get 15 percent off your order you can buy it all in one simple click I think I've heard my mom talk about her sex life to me like three times. As far as I know, they've had sex four times and it resulted in four children. My parents are openly talking about it all the time. It's disgusting. Welcome to Sex Talk with my mom. I'm Cam Poder. And I'm Karen Lee Poder. My mother is a self-proclaimed sex expert, cougar, and the world's oldest living millennial. And my son is a self-proclaimed stand-up comic, mime, and clown. Together we host this podcast where we talk about sex in order to give you a laugh, give you a sex tip, and break down those barriers about talking about around talking about sex. Would you say that's accurate? I would say that that is a really good description of what we do. That's a, and it it is a very good description of what we do in this podcast today. We've been having a fun-filled, frolicking week of podcasts, and today is no exception. Now you might be wondering why does it sound like there's an elevator going on in the background? <laughs> why does it sound like we're sitting on the carpeted, filthy floor of our apartment complex? Of your apartment complex. It makes it sound like we're living together, which makes yeah. it seem very no. sad for me. For, for, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, our studio is in my apartment, and uh, today there's a lot of hammering going on, so we decided to go somewhere else, and we ended up on the floor of a uh, hallway. Anyway, <laughs> you can check that out on our Instagram stories. We have some very exciting news. If you are listening to this, the day that it comes out, on Thursday, September 13th, guess what tomorrow is? It's... The Megan Kelly Show. We're going to be featured guests on the episode Getting Back in the Dating Game. It's this Friday, September 14th at 9 a.m. So turn on NBC to Megan Kelly today and watch my mother and I chat with her about sex. But today we're going to ask you to do us a little solid favor and uh, put an iTunes review out there for us because when you do, the algorithms send people our way. Yes, it, it really allows us to get 
fun bigger names to come on the podcast because we look legit because we got a ton of reviews yeah and uh allows us to guest on other people's podcasts so it helps all the way around what do you mean look legit we are legit we are legit too legit yeah we got too too legit for for whatever all right so the other thing that you could do to help us out if this is a free podcast we do it from the bottoms of our heart if you'd like to help us out give us a little donation on patreon patreon.com slash sex talk with my mom it will allow you to also get a free bonus. I guess not free because you're paying for it, but bonus content <laughs> uh, from behind the scenes of, of making this podcast. But a lot of you guys ask, how can I help out? Even if it's a one-time donation, it helps. So Patreon, you can do one time or multiple times. The other thing is like that multiple we, orgasms. we have a hotline that you can call. No, here we go with the hotline. It's a, just a regular phone line. If you want to get in touch with us, leave us a voicemail or text. Our number is yes text mom. It's a phenomenal way to to contribute to the show uh, because we get to play your messages on our recordings, uh, uh, Monday morning after shows. Uh, so if you'd like to participate, that's how you do it. It'll be great. Okay, so let's describe what they're about to hear because this is one of my favorite podcasts that we've recorded to date. I agree. It's it, sh- This woman's name is Michelle Miller. She wrote two books, Vodka Soup for the Widowed Soul and... Boys, Booze, and Bathroom Floors. Uh, I wanted to have her on the show very badly because she and I have a lot in common. We were both widows um, when, and our husband died of unnatural causes. And yes, your husband died of homicide. Her husband died of suicide. Right. There's a lot of sides going on here. Yeah, yeah. But she's actually one of the most humorous and um, reveal, like uh, humble and revealing of herself. So that, honest and not afraid to show it. And so... Before this interview, by the way, I posted saying that I was reading this book, and someone responded to my uh, Instagram post saying, both of her books are so good. Michelle Miller was the first widow that showed me it was okay that I'm a little fucked up after losing my husband. My new normal is very different than before, and I am totally different. She taught me it's okay to not give any fucks and ignore all the hate I receive when it comes to how I process my grief. She's amazing. Right, and I think that even if you're not uh, a a family member who's had any kind of death, you will still find this to be a very compelling discussion. Totally. She's all about sex. She, she gets down and dirty when it comes to sex. You she, guys, she tells us this, some, inc- some incredible these stories. Are, these are stories that I never thought I, they could rival mine, but they do. It, it gave me a different perspective on sex actually, because it, it helped her overcome some of this trauma and she's she's having all sorts of wild sex that she ta- describes in detail in this episode, so you'll enjoy listening to this. Yeah, I don't think we want to share any more little secrets because it, it just it won't it just won't do it justice. Well, let's let them have it then. Well, let's let me tell you about the birds and the bees then. Let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the drunken uh, vodka soup widows sees i like to add the louise how about that that was such a bad one it was the worst one i've done to date but this is one of the best podcasts we're working on your rhymes so uh, until next time love you michelle welcome to the show thank you for having me so excited to have you honestly uh i i i was reading this book last night i don't usually stay up late reading books and i stayed up very late, way past my bedtime, oh. reading this. Right, and normally he only reads like Deepak Chopra and very <laughs> zen-like books. So maybe that's my why... My book is sort of zen. You mean <laughs> hearing about boys and booze and bathroom floors yeah, is not I, zen? So you give us both your books ahead of time. and <laughs> uh, One is called Vodka Soup for the Widow's Soul. That's the one I was reading. Stories of grief, alcohol, infidelity, cursing, and hope. 
I, I could have written this book. This is like mm-hmm. exactly the this. more I get to know you, the more I think you <laughs> could have. <laughs> we have a lot in common there, girl. And then, so I chose the book Boys, Booze, and Bathroom Floors, uh, which I, I didn't know anything about these books, but this one was all about sex and your dating adventures. My dating adventures post loss after uh, my husband's suicide. I think people pick up the book by, based on the title and they think it's just promiscuity. But there's suicide in it. So it, it's a, it just functions glossed, on multiple just, levels. She threw that suicide in there. and so Well, it, I think suicide <laughs> should be kind of talked yeah, about like that. Exactly. Just kind of glossed over. Why is that not a part of our normal vocabulary, <laughs> yeah. you know? Totally. Uh, and, and it's so beautifully written. It made me you. very excited to even have this podcast so we can promote this to our thank listeners. You. Yes. It did. Okay, it, good. It was, it's really uh, something not talked about enough. And Correct. obviously it's going around like rampant right now, especially uh, with our current latest suicides it's just terrible but hold on, hold on can i add one more thing yeah the 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 way that you write is very similar to what we strive for on this podcast which is like extreme vulnerability yes honesty right and authenticity and it's right. literally like a diary yeah, yes well and it amazing. is it is my diary um that i expanded upon but that's why i connected with your guys's podcast because it was about this you know stigma surrounding sex and sexuality and um, how the more you talk about it, the more it becomes a normal part of conversation. And then people are more apt to talk to their children about it or to their parents about it. And that's how I feel about suicide and about sex. It should be something that's just part of our everyday language. Yes, that's that's a good point. Uh, we can add murder in there, too. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I feel very kindred spirit with you. I because do too. I've, I'm going to start crying because I've already I've gone through so many of the things that you went through. Um, but you are so young. I mean, I was at least I was in my 40s. How old were that you? That is still young. 40s to it, lose a spouse in yeah, the manner that you did. It is definitely young, but it, it, it's, it is very it, young. It's very very difficult. As at least my kids, two of them are nearly out of the house, and one was you know I had one mm-hmm. left. But you have little kids. Yes, they were seven and eleven uh, when he took his life. Um, I was 31. 31, you're yeah. a baby. Yeah. You're still a kid yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, not that it's been that long ago. It's only been four and a half years. But yeah, 31 is very young. Um, I've met so many other widows who are even younger, 22, 23. Which, when did you write these books? So the first book, Boys, Booze, and Bathroom Floors, was actually my diary. So as soon as he died, I just started having sex with everybody. That sounds um, familiar. <laughs> but, uh, let, let, you know what? Let's let's, can we start with that? Because... I, I've always talked about this 9-11 syndrome with mm-hmm. the, how widows uh, need to feel alive again. That's how right. I felt. I needed to feel alive again. And it wasn't like I was having sex to have a relationship with someone. Right. It was a different type of need to having sex. Right. You well, sex is the opposite it? of death. Yeah. I mean, yes. there's so much to sex. It's not just sex. Um, after a loss, and it's very common too, I have to say, with every widow I've mm-hmm. ever met, mm-hmm. not that all of them are promiscuous after, but it's it's a lot more common than, than we think. Um, it's about regaining power back. Okay. Um, you lose yeah. a lot of power that's, whenever your spouse dies. Yeah. Um, it is also about finding out who you are. So when your spouse dies or when someone close to you, a child dies, a sibling, you die too. You really yeah. do. Yeah. And you have to reinvent yourself. You have to say, who am I? And what do I like? What do I want? And part of that is sex and dating. Mm-hmm. And who you were before is gone. You have to mourn that loss simultaneously with your spouse, your social life, your health, all kinds of things. And sex is a natural extension of that. Not to mention the physiological things going on in the brain with trauma and heightened libido, which nobody yeah. else talks about either. Right. I mean, the 9-11 
widows were they were fucking like bunnies yeah, yeah. and spending a lot of money too i mean shopping there's all these things no one um I know attributes to grief that. but it's like there's so many things that are grief that we don't think uh, you know our grief karaokeing at two in the morning was a huge part of my grief nobody talks about that well, spending money on you know electrolysis machines on <laughs> amazon prime at 3 a.m that was grief you know nobody talks about that though. i mean because you don't even and you don't even have any like understanding of it at the time you're going through it correct uh, weight loss like i like I, I read that you lost like 30 pounds i mm-hmm. definitely lost a good 10 pounds which you know when i was already like one you're already small i was at 118 I was and I didn't even think I was skinny I was like still like mm-hmm. I, was just, I mean it, it is scary what your brain doesn't really realize that's correct and you don't know when you're going why you're having all these behaviors that are maybe abnormal not eating eating too much fucking everybody not having sex you don't realize at the time what's going on with you you don't it's only looking back going that was grief that was me uh, loving hard yeah and you know? Cam you for example Cam, how old were you like when you had me? You had a little talk with me about my behavior. I don't remember having a talk with you, you about your behavior. You had a talk with me really? at Georgie V's. You went. You were very upset. Of you know, you knew. I don't think you knew that I was having sex or anything, but you knew that I was not like uh, coming home all the time. You knew I that had stuff. Zero was, recollection of this. Maybe you repress this. You were about a teen. You were a teenager. How so old were you when you lost your dad, Kim? Seventeen. So 17. it was probably when you were seventeen-ish mm-hmm. that, and you were very upset, and you said, "I don't remember what you did. You you really like kind of uh, tell me how you felt in a nice, kind way, the way you are." And then you went to the bathroom for a while, and then you came back. Oh, this! I remember that conversation being entirely about dad. I don't remember that being about you. No. See, this is the this we is don't a therapy have... session. Yeah, wow. Yeah. No. <laughs> Michelle's wow. like, why? I'm in the middle of you guys. Yeah. Just well, call me. Yeah, yeah, well, I think, <laughs> I, think, I think the key of the whole thing is that you don't know what's going on. You're literally, it's like a blur. It's like mm-hmm. just, it, there's so many things happening. I mean, when I lost my husband, I had to take over his company. I had three kids in all different mm-hmm. uh, phases of grief. And your friends are giving you shit because mm-hmm. you're not being with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, and then you want, you have this need to be with men, even if it's just to talk to them on the phone. Right. And the Snapchat sex and the sending nudes. Like, like I never would have thought that would have been part of my, my reaction <laughs> to grief was just to start taking naked pictures of myself, which are probably surfacing on porn sites all over the country now. <laughs> People are searching Michelle Miller. Naked. <laughs> Wait. So what? What is? What is the reason behind this? This renewed. Uh, you were talking about how sex is kind of the opposite of of death. death. Yes. So it is this feeling of like, oh, I could use sex to to feel alive again. It is, and it, and it, it's exciting too. There's mm-hmm. an excitement. Of, I was married for 24 years, so you got to add that into the picture. I mm-hmm. was monogamous for 24 years, and then all of a sudden I was single. I'm like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. This is actually kind of fun. Right. One thing I found interesting about your book was that you talk if, uh, at f- at first, and you said earlier that it, it was kind of like uh, you're like renewing yourself mm-hmm. and like starting over a little bit. Yeah, reinventing. Reinventing. For sure. But in the book, uh, it's very clear that during these dates and these hookups. These bad dates. These bad <laughs> dates. You, you were kind of dealing with a lot of the stuff that had come up in the relationship. Exactly. And this is where I, I get a lot of criticism for like, oh, you were hiding from your grief. You were running and you were masking it. What I was working out, a lot of the sex for me, I was very angry at my husband 
um, not just for his suicide, um, but he was unfaithful throughout our whole marriage. So three years before he took his life, I had discovered an affair and that un- unveiled to me a 10 years of infidelity and this whole secret life he had been hiding. And so I kind of had this attitude of like, excuse me, you cheated on me for a decade and then your life was so bad, you off to yourself? No. I'm not going to go down. And Mm. so I remember consciously thinking, having sex in the back of cars or wherever, and just being like, fuck you. I hope (laughs) you're watching this. (laughs) You did not kill me because there's such a self-confidence hit um, with adultery. And just thinking like, oh my gosh, what if I'm not attractive? What if I'm bad in bed? You Mm -hmm. know, he was very addicted to pornography. And so there was that too. And I grew up very Christian where that was, I mean, that was... uh, cheating every time you viewed porn was an, a, a mini affair so I felt like I was competing with porn girls um, and and these other women that he had fallen in love with or had just casual encounters with so yes I was working that out through you, you, the sex how, after how old were you when you met him uh 21 and what when did you like, at my divorce party from my first husband who I married when I was 19 oh my Whoa. goodness <laughs> Whoa. When you met him at the divorce party? That is how hilar- I know. My <laughs> life. I don't know what I'm doing in life. <laughs> but you are brilliant, too. You're the, one of the Obviously best writers. Not. But you, no, seriously. This book is, these books are, are like very so well, well written. written. Oh, and, well, thank and, you. And, <laughs> but here's the thing. And I always say that to all my kids, actually, and I'm feeling very maternal toward you right now. I don't think you, your brain doesn't form until 25. Right. I'm constantly telling my kids that now. So, you you know, and I made the same decision. I just got lucky. I made, I got married. I was with my husband since 21 mm-hmm. and I got married at 23. So, I mean, I got lucky, but you know, I didn't have to deal with that anger right. the way you did. And that's an, that's such a huge component to, I think your books, I, I feel like, and I'm angry in your books reading, you know, how, you know, your husband treated you at certain points. Yeah. Yeah, it's infuriating. And I'm glad I've been able to put it out there now. And you'll kind of see the progression through the second book. Um, I don't have anger at him anymore. Um, And spoiler alert, at the end of the second book, I do forgive him. I find a way to forgive him through a violent sexual encounter. And I have uh, like goosebumps all over (laughs) us. (laughs) And I, I think what I realize now is I can't be mad at him. He was sick. Right. The way you described it. Right. I wanted to get to that as well. Um, the, the sick part of his brain, mm-hmm. uh, the way you are able to label that. And, yeah. and I think that's a huge part of this whole thing is when you talk to your children in one of the chapters, it's just incredible how you didn't say, you know, dad just shot himself and didn't explain it. You talked to them and explained to them that it was an illness. Right. And I had a, um, we were seeing a, a very good marriage therapist for a few years who I had stopped seeing, but he continued seeing him. So the night that John died, I called or I texted the therapist and said, he suicided. What do I tell the kids? That's all I needed to know. And he was able to say, okay, A, B, and C, it is an illness. And so you equate it to other, you know, if your heart is broken, you know, you have a heart attack. If your liver doesn't work, you, you know, you die of liver failure. When your brain doesn't work, you die of something called suicide. And then you leave it at that. And then you wait. And if the kids ask more questions, you elaborate. And so it's been this ongoing conversation I've been having with my kids for four and a half years. And as they've gotten older, um, I don't, think they've had any anger towards him that might come later um they may have anger at me I don't know but so far I feel like putting it in that and it's strange because I said that to my kids but I didn't fully believe that until very recently in the last like year and a half where it really settled in like that wasn't him that wasn't an attack on me 
That wasn't him waking up in the morning going, how am I going to screw my wife over this morning? That was him having unresolved traumas in his life that he did not work out and it manifesting in depression and infidelity, sex addiction and things like that. Mental illness. Mental illness. How did you come to that uh, understanding? Um, A lot of time. I don't believe this whole like time heals bullshit. I don't think it heals. I think it's what you do with the time. Mm. So I have spent Mm. a lot of time... um, researching, reading, um, a huge, huge change in everything came from, um, I went to go, I went to a place called Camp Widow, campwidow.org. Um, it is run by Soaring Spirits and they'd asked me to be a presenter there. And so I thought I'll go, you know, promote the book, help all the widows. And I ended up meeting a huge community of other suicide widows. So speaking with them, hearing their experiences that they had the exact same feelings you did. Yes. And the same, a lot of infidelity because that was the biggest trauma that the, the infidelities were worse than his suicide as far as trauma. And, um, hearing from other suicide widows too, that they, their spouses had affairs and I would be like, well, like how often were you guys having sex? Oh, three, four times a week. And it's like, it's, so there wasn't anything wrong. Cause you always hear mm. affair. You think the wife is prudish or, no, I don't think know, that. I don't think we, uh, some we, people yeah, think we that. Don't I think, think that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't think that either. Uh, people have affairs. No. For so like many, for so many we don't think that. Well, I mean, because we've <laughs> talked about it so many times on the show that, you know, affair has, an affair has to do with the person committing yeah. the affair. Cause I look at the people like having affairs with celebrities, like gorgeous. You know. Right. How are you cheating on Pamela Anderson? Exactly. I remember like thinking yeah. that in the nineties with, you know, Tommy, like what the hell she was the most beautiful woman in, during that time period. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, just a lot of time, I think, research and meeting other people. Community has been huge for me in terms of um, accepting his mental illness and accepting that none of this was my fault. Um, the only responsibility I have now is how I react to what happened to me. Hmm. This is, this is good. Are we getting deep? We're getting that's very, good. This no, is very I think that's how everyone should deal with, with problems. Yeah. yeah. It's not always about, the, it often feels, it's the whole don't take it personally thing. Mm-hmm. Don Miguel Ruiz. I hope you mm-hmm. had the four agreements. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, just read the four agreements. We'll okay. Talk, we'll talk later. I just, I think I've spoken, we had three podcasts this weekend. I think I've talked about the four agreements in every podcast. So <laughs> we're going to just say, we'll, read, read the Okay, book. all right. Can you take us through that sexual encounter that like, you, you just want to go right to sex? You just want to talk about sex, Let's talk about sex, baby. We better get into this. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to want to talk about the finger in the ass guy. That's what everyone always wants to hear about, the oh finger in the ass God. guy from we the should, first book. You know, okay. It, what's weird? You're not the first person to talk about the finger in the ass on this podcast. Okay? Oh, we've talked a lot <laughs> oh, about I wanted to be, asses, I wanted to be special. <laughs> um, okay, so the book ends, and again, if anybody's like reading through the second book, this is how it ends. So um, last summer, I went on, um, I was... I'd been filmed for a documentary. I'd been followed around. And one of the, the things that I had been filmed about is selling my house, which was really hard. So I had all this. It, it, it is, it, I cried my ass off when I I still my cry house. to think about it. And it's like, I wasn't particularly attached. It wasn't this beautiful no, mansion. No, it's just, it's just a new chapter of your exactly. life. Exactly. A chapter's ending. And I had put it off. I had rented out the house. I had moved out and moved down to San Diego. But um, so, so this filmmaker was following me around going through this process. So a bunch of trauma had been brought up. My reaction to that was to get on Tinder. Or Bumble or something. <laughs> Obviously, so I start swiping. Can I go I just on say, this. Thank God, I, I I was a widow when there was no Tinder or Bumble. Oh my I don't God. know what would have happened. To what me. did widows do before Tinder and Bumble? What did you guys do? How did you? Where did you, you meet these men? You go have to actually do the work and go to bars. Yeah, yeah. And do the work beforehand in my nece- pajamas. And it's then go not to the bars. necessarily a good thing to do something like that either. No. And they're like in one of your uh, chapters, you talk about 
being raped. I mean, it is scary yeah. that you put yourself in some danger. Yeah. Not just you. I'm talking about me too. And right. No, sexual assault. Um, and it's never okay. But at the same time, I was putting myself in not safe situations, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? Um, so at the, uh, anyways, I go on this major sex bender as a reaction to having to deal with selling the house. And I, I go on another bad date. This guy walks in. I instantly know I don't like him. You know, you can tell on a date. You can see a girl. You can go, I like them or I don't. Usually you can tell in a few minutes. He sits down next to me. He doesn't like me either. We can both tell. It's oh, wow. We're sitting there and we're, I mean, we're kind of fighting through the whole like, Oh my you know, God. it's just really, and he's this just making comments. This is not the comments. one with the evil eyes? No. Oh, this is, a uh, this is the last chapter of the book. I don't think you've got there yet. And so we're kind of just like, we don't like each other, but whatever. It's kind of it turns into like a standoff. Like I'm not leaving the state. You fucking leave the state, you know. And I'm, <sighs> we're ordering drink after drink. We get to the <laughs> end of the drink. We get to the end of the date, and you know he's just making. He had made some underhanded comment about, uh, you know, suicide. I had made some comment about, how, or he made a comment about. Or I made a comment about how he didn't look as cute as he did on his profile. You know, we're just being. I'm just being bitchy, and he's being an asshole. <laughs> so after oh this, oh my god. You know, he doesn't pay for my drink, but for whatever reason, we walk out, we close down the bar and we just, you can just feel this, like we fucking hate each other. And uh, we close down the bar and he's like, can you give me a lift home? And I was like, all right. And I remember thinking, why do, why am I giving this guy a ride home? Whatever. So we go, you know, get to his place and it's just silent. There's this, while it's happening, I think it's just this like hatred, but really it's sexual tension. I just didn't recognize it. So we get in front of his in front of his like studio he was he good looking um (laughs) (laughs) he had a good looking penis (laughs) oh Um, which is really all that matters in life um so anyways he um we we stop right in front just stop short and all of a sudden he just attacks me but in a good way and it turns into this he literally drags me up to his studio by my hair and it is so hot i love this yes so i don't well, I'm not going to go into all these details, but what happens in the midst of this violent, exciting S&M sex thing um, is something in me releases. And people have talked about this, people that are in the kink community, BDSM, like there is a release, there's something that's been worked out. I don't recognize it, but something happens in the middle of it. And then when I go home that night for the first time since the affair revelations, which had been six years at this point, I slept the entire night, woke up, went pee and fell back asleep again for 10 hours. Wow. Whoa. And I don't even realize this till months later that that was forgiveness. That was forgiveness, letting go of that anger that I had at, at my husband and then realizing too, I was angry at myself for not saving him. And Mm. that is why sex is so great. Wow. What does this mean? What, like (laughs) what, why was that sexual act? I don't know. And this is... It I reminds go, me of the book we just uh, analyzed. Which uh, one? 11 Minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, there is a BDSM scene in there. That mm-hmm. it, it, it is similar to this. But I don't... And where's the uh, connection there? I don't know. And there's... In, in that chapter, too, it talks about my best friend, Lynette. How she learned forgiveness was that she tried to run her first... Her baby's daddy over with a car. And a homeless oh man God. came over to her car window and said, and, and taught her about forgiveness. And oh my God. The, what it talks about is we all, everybody talks about forgiveness. You see these fucking memes floating around Facebook and all that, you know, forgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die and forgiveness will free you. And forgiveness is this and that forgiveness is really whatever you need it to be. You have to come to forgiveness. Mm-hmm. 
based on your own life experience. Something has to happen. Some people find it through religion. Some people find it through BDSM. Some people find it through almost running their baby's daddy over with a car, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know why for me it had to happen in the manner that it did. Yeah. But it did. Hmm. Wild. And how yes. long ago was that? That was a little over a year ago. And how have That's you been right. since that year? I mean, after that, I got my very first boyfriend, oh. you know? Are you still with him? <laughs> no. Thanks for bringing that up. Oh. <laughs> we broke up a few weeks ago. Oh, no. But I, it wasn't for naught. It was my first serious long-term boyfriend. He- healthy relationship. Healthy relationship, yeah. yeah. And you, should, um, you should have many. Exactly. Um, it was, you know, a lot came after that career-wise. I was able to finish the second book because I had been artistically kind of stunted after the first book. Where mm-hmm. do I take it? After that forgiveness episode, um, I the words just flowed into the second book, you know? So one thing I noticed about the book is that it, it, the the first I'm talking about boys, booze, and bathroom floors. Mm-hmm. The first part of your dating life was very much like, oh wow, this person likes me, and then right. but then they kept running away. Right. But then it seemed like it started changing where they were. They it were, did. I feel like. Um, Men are smart creatures. They can sense desperation and they can sense lack of confidence. And when what is that about widowhood that makes you lose your confidence? I don't know. I, Did you have this experience? I had the opposite experience. You had more confidence. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I and I didn't have the anger that you did. And uh, obviously, because there was nothing that my husband did to me, mm-hmm. it was done to him. And I didn't even have the anger towards his murderer. Really? I did not because I sensed that mental illness that you were describing. Right. Mm-hmm. How about you, Kim? Did you? notice did you feel anger towards his murderer no and then for the same reasons i'm i mean he really was psychotic there's right. part, part <laughs> of me was like it was such a like a strange situation that it's almost mm-hmm. like hard to fathom like yeah it's like a fucking bad movie yeah like, it's a yeah oh it's yeah well, while you're going through it, it you yeah. feel like you're on it's pi- so autopilot yeah. right. i can't imagine yeah so yeah. it's kind of like it's hard to be angry at this thing that you can barely picture right and then yeah, I, I agree it's it's it does. I part of me understands. There's like nothing serving me to be angry. And right. You guys were very evolved that you knew that. I think I didn't understand anger. Anger was always very repressed in me growing up. I grew up with a nice Christian girl. You, you know, you, in the same way, men are not welcome to express uh, tears. Women are usually not open to express anger. We're not supposed to. It's not ladylike or whatever. So I don't think I ever really worked that out or had a concept of what anger was and where it was coming from. And that and, affected all this right. because. I think as, as Jews, we're a very vocal community, right. <laughs> and you know we let it out. We, right. I, and I think that that helped a lot. Right, right. the ability to express ourselves and all throughout my life. I've been able to express myself and not take things as personally made. I don't know. Right. I th- I th- it sounded like a lot of the anger that you mentioned in the book, though, is is related to the way he treated you. You're yes, like I said, the affairs were probably yeah. more damaging, and just that whole like I was this great wife. You know, right. Um, of course, and I wasn't perfect, but I was faithful. It was dinner on the table at six, taking care of a kid, doing all this. And, and, it's like, and, and you got even as you found out more about his affair, you, you went overboard to be even a better wife. And exactly. Even, you know, you did I mean, everything. I was Martha fucking Stewart, you it, know, it, with, and leather it, with leather panties. We were having like hot sex, you know, because I thought, well, maybe the sex isn't good enough. Let's step it up to eight times a week instead of just the measly four. You know, let's bring in toys. Let's do all of this. And so the it fact never, that I, it never occurred to you to just leave him and find someone else. No, um, I, I was a Christian at the time. You don't leave your husband, even even though in the Bible it is 
permissible. It's still frowned upon. And so I was, uh, I mean, I was Sunday school leader. I was in small, I was in church three or four times a week and <sighs> it was like, no, you stay. And he was an atheist. So I had to stay and love him to Christ. That was my job. Wow. His salvation was my job. And I don't want to uh, minimize the fact that I was still in love with him. Mm. You yeah. know, it, it wasn't just the religious pressure and then we had kids and then there was money to think about. But at the, at the end of the day, I really stayed because I was in love with him and, or in love with who I thought he was. Turns out it was, you know, he had been faking it all those years. Because this brings up for me and I was reading the book and I'm thinking to myself, you were in an abusive relationship. Yes. And but I, it wasn't that way. It was only that way the last three years. Yeah. But and it was there for three years. It's a long it time to be in an abusive relationship. Yeah. And I'm. Uh, I'm wondering again, and I'm not judging at all. I'm just asking you why you stayed. I loved him. And I kept thinking he was going to come back Uh, because I had this idea who he was for the first seven years of our relationship, this great father, you know, good provider. We had a great relationship. I just kept thinking he'll come back. We just need therapy or uh, sex addiction rehab or meds or whatever. I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the final catalyst was a physical altercation. Oh, I didn't and get to that. Part. Yeah. That's well, when I finally decide like, okay, there's my line. It got physical mm-hmm. um, and we're gone. And then I left and 52 days later, he ended his life. Damn. Yes. Damn. The first husband, mm-hmm. do you, do you, what are your feelings towards him? Um, I don't know anything about him or where he's at or who he is. <laughs> wow. And when you ended it, was there, was there, <laughs> he anger also, or um, he cheated on me. I found out he attempted suicide. Wow. I know you're two for two with the husband. I don't, the I, there's no such thing as coincidence in that. No, one. um, I'm not I am, blaming you at all. No, I am drawn. What? I am drawn to yeah. mentally ill people. Um, they are drawn to me. It is a fact. It's who I am. So I'm trying to take that now. <laughs> it's and a fact. it's a fact. Mentally ill people love me. I worked in special ed and mm. with behavioral, behaviorally disturbed and emotionally disturbed children for years. I'm very good at it. Um, but they're drawn to me because they know I have something they need. I'm drawn to them because I know they have something I need and I can, I feel like I can help them. I have the wounded birdie It's syndrome. a codependent, narcissistic, exactly. uh, symbiotic Exactly. And I'm very much an empath. And uh, again, I've been, you know, in therapy and researching the hell out of myself these last few years because it was just like, wow, I did that twice. Yeah. My first husband stabbed himself. My second one shot himself. Oh, wow. Uh, there's something where the common denominator here is me. You know. Well, what about your your parents? I mean, did, oh, how was their relationship or is their relationship still going on? Uh, my Yeah, my parents are still married, happily married, uh, living in the same house I grew up in as a kid. My mom messaged me this morning and said, is this podcast going to be something I can listen to? I said, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry to interrupt the conversation, but we need to take a quick commercial break to thank our sponsors. Mom, the first time I went to get condoms, I ended up knocking all the condoms out because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> and my one of our next door neighbors was there oh, next to me. It's mortifying. It's it's, it's, it's like, out of oh, a movie. Hi, Mr. Caspers. This is not yeah, Mr. Oh. Caspers. So <laughs> they were at the dentist. Yes. Oh my god. Well, and they, what's worse than that is going into a sex toy shop and having to figure out which vibrator is going to work if you want to use it during sex or if you want to use it by yourself. And you get these hot pink rabbit things. You don't want that. So what we have found. Is the, the best, best company. The, literally the best company. I would invest all my money if I could into this company. Right. They package all the essentials in one box. That means you can get your condoms, your your silicone lube, your organic uh, personal lube, a, and a your, beautiful, powerful vibrator in one little box. And, and what's really cool? Their condoms are incredible. They're put in the little buttercups. 
So it's super easy to open. They're not going to get smushed. So you're not going to like rip open a condom with your teeth and end up ripping the condom open. This looks like a packet of butter. They're modern sex essentials. They're super high quality. They're affordable. And now you can get 15% off when you enter promo code MOM at checkout of getmod.com. This is a bomb ass, dank ass product. Um, very conservative Christian upbringing. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, anytime I've gone into therapy, they always want to like explore the issues with my parents. And it's I always like, think that there's, you know, the role models. Yeah. So I'm asking, you know, you're a role model growing up. You never saw any of this kind of stuff going on with your no, parents? No, I think what I saw with my parents was that very traditional, like my mom did the cooking and the cleaning and the child raising. My dad came home from work, ate dinner, went out to the garage and worked on his race car or whatever. And I think the way I interpreted that was that women were subservient to men. Ah. Uh, now I realize as an adult, that really isn't the way their relationship is. But I, there was a lot of passive aggressive undertones. My parents never fought in front of us, which I think they were just doing the best thing. Yeah. They thought it was great. But now I, I, I always knew they, there was times they didn't like each other yeah. or they were angry and they would hide it. So I kind of learned the way I interpreted that was to repress anger Mm. if you're angry at your husband you don't tell him and so that is the perfect setup for me being with narcissistic people Mm. or abusive people because you just have to shut up and take it and then eventually you know I don't and the the thing I have to say too about my parents it's like obviously they did something right because I have gotten out Mm -hmm. you know uh, with my first husband the signs were so obvious right away it was like all right I'm I'm getting out of here now Uh, you know second husband it took seven years for there to Mm -hmm. be any signs um but there, wow, this is like a therapy session. Do I have to pay you after this? <laughs> I, I just, you know, I'm very, very happy for you because you have started to really evolve. And, yes. and I think that your self-awareness is incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's been a lot of work. It, it, it just, I feel for you. And I think you, you're, you, you, the support, I don't know if it was there for you. Yeah. So this past relationship, the one that just ended a few weeks ago. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, Yeah, what is that? Was this with a healthier individual? A healthier individual, um, how, or it was different. You were mentioning earlier about how like my first book is all about men rejecting me and me kind of playing that out because I was so used to being rejected. So there was kind of a turn of events after after I forgave my husband where all these men were liking me and I was having to reject them or they were liking me more or just really in love with me for whatever reason. And that's how my last relationship was, very much in love with me, Um, you know, just doted on me hand and foot and took care of me. And I just, I have a really hard time with that. Mm. That's ultimately why the relationship ended. I can't, I have a lot of intimacy issues now because of the infidelity and trust issues. And so when a man is being nice to me and treating me well. You're suspect. I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't, I just can't, it, it, it makes me squeamish. Mm. I can't, I get physically, uh, my heart rate, like I get anxiety having a man like me. Cause then I go, Oh my God, what if they're obsessed with me and they're going to kill themselves when mm. really it's like, no, they uh. just love me. And they, they saw a gift and wanted to get it for me. Or, you know, he wanted to call me and just say, you know, I really love you. And I'm thinking about you today. And so for me, I realized I have a lot more work I still need to do. Um, he was a fellow widower also. Um, so he, you know, obviously has that kind of things to deal with. And, but it actually was a beautiful relationship, um, at times because he can relate to me and I can relate to him. Um, and yeah, Sometimes, nothing bad to say about it, but it's yeah. just like timing is off or timing. Whatever. And that's why I said to you initially that good, you had a good relationship mm-hmm. you have some, several more. Yes. And that's mm. what I think it was kind of a, and I'm not even looking for a relationship now, but knowing that I have had the ability to be with a man who 
you know, was in love with me and wanted to just take care of me and thought I was great. I mean, it's hard to date with these books. Men always go on dates. What do you do? I write. What do you write? Nonfiction. About you. What do you write about? Um, I'm writing about this date we're on. Yeah. I'm going to write about this. Just so you know, you're t- chapter 27 <laughs> in my latest book. Oh, I got so many calls when the first book came out and texts like, am I in the book? Oh, my God. Oh, am I in the book? Yeah, I'm writing a book right now and mm-hmm. I'm uh, definitely not using the, the no. names. And you know what? I'm surprised no one has come forward yet of my past. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that because some of that. Well, wait till it's all the way yeah, like yeah. out and oh, you're promoting God. it full time. I got, I still get people going, wait, am I in that book? What about the second book? Am I in that one? <laughs> yeah. And I'll say, I don't know. I can't legally answer that. <laughs> How did you get to the point that you were able to share like all this information? Beyonce. What? <laughs> you, you expected that? Beyonce. So, the first book is very graphic about sex and dating, obviously, and suicide. And I finished it, and it sat on my shelf. It was actually Beyonce and Cheryl Strait. Um, and I didn't know what to do with it. I thought, oh, my God, people are going to hate me. They're going to judge me. What if my kids read this one, one day? What do I do? Oh, my God, what do I do? But I felt like I wanted to get this out. Then I thought, maybe just writing it is enough. I don't know. So that was, like, in December. Beyonce drops her Lemonade album. <laughs> And I was obsessed. I didn't sleep for two days just watching this because she put her affair, the affair that her husband had, or affairs, it seemed to allude to, um, but it was about her healing process. I mean, the visual album was amazing. And the way she turned it, she took this trauma that happened to her and her marriage, flipped it, turned it into art, and just put it out there. And I thought, she has children. Well, at the time, she just had one. And she just did what she had to do to heal. And this is how she had to heal. Art is what healed her. And that's what I kind of realized, like, this is what heals me. Church doesn't heal me. Therapy doesn't heal me. You know, all these things I had tried, yoga doesn't do a fucking thing. Um, Cam has you going to a meditation, (laughs) a silent meditation retreat. I can't meditate. I can't. I can't do any of that. Um, But that's what heals me. And that's what I came to the conclusion at the end of the day was I, my only responsibility is to my children. And with that, I have to be a whole healthy person Mm -hmm. to keep continuing the rest of their lives, helping them through this. And for whatever reason, writing a book about sex and putting it out there is what healed me. And it did. Are you concerned when your kids get to a certain age that they're going to read it? And Not too concerned. Well, they know, um, I mean, they know what I do. Um, they, and I've talked to them about it. Like it's a book about how, you know, you guys remember, and I would never lie to them. I would tell them, yeah, mommy's going on dates and things like that. Mommy's I got a finger in her ass. Mommy, <laughs> mommy's finger guy's ass on a Wednesday. Um, <laughs> I think they are not in any hurry to read a book about their mom's sex life. If my mom had a sex book out, I wouldn't read it, you know? Oh, Cam used my book in a stand-up comedy. Yeah. Well, you guys have a unique relationship. I had to, though. (laughs) Otherwise, I probably wouldn't read it either. I feel like I've done enough uh, talking with my kids that it's like nothing's going to come as a surprise. I don't think they're going to want to read graphic details. Um, What did you say about how you teach your kids about sex with the Skittles? Sex and Skittles. So I've been talking to my kids about sex since they were two. You know, they never, it was vagina, it was penis, it was never these kids' names. Good for you. So, you know, the car is a very captive audience. So I started keeping a pack of Skittles in the glove department. And anytime we're on a ride that's more than 30 minutes long, we have to talk about sex. Oh my God. And I quiz them on sex. Uh, They're 15 and 11 now. But this has been going on since they were probably about like 8 and 12. And um, yeah, so I just quiz them. Hear that viewing audience and listening audience. This is a very good thing. Get yourself some Skittles Uh, in the next time you're Except my kids are traumatized and hate Skittles now. Skittles. (laughs) Not Skittles. Not Skittles. Actually, at first it was very squeamish and they would, oh, mom, yeah. And 
then now it has just become like, all right, and then and I quiz them and ask them questions, multiple choice, fill in the blank. Um, and as they get older, it's more and more. But I, and I like the idea of doing it together. It, it's kind of this idea that you take the girl to the side and you talk to her about sex. Then you take the boy to the side and you talk to him about sex. No, just everybody talk about sex openly. Like it's, Let's it's, talk about sex, baby. That's the well, second time she's saying this. She, I sing it all the time. She sings every goddamn thing. Wait, so <laughs> w- why do you think it's so important to talk to your kids about sex right now? Uh, because if I'm not, uh, their friends will, and their friends are wrong. Uh, or, or they'll watch porn and find out porn. how to be educated I mean, that way. I'm sure they've, I have, you know, the parental control settings on their phones and stuff, but I'm sure they have viewed some sort of porn, but we've talked openly about that. And two, with um, both of their fathers, so my daughter's from my first marriage, both of their fathers were porn addicts. And that evolved into affairs and all kinds of things. And so that's what I like to talk to them. I like, you know, um, believe what you want to about porn, but it has addictive qualities. And when you're masturbating to it and your brain releases chemicals, those chemicals in your brain say keep doing that. And eventually it can become compulsive. Uh, and then and I they, was, they're going, they're driving, they're going, I just wanted to I go to the basketball skittle. game. <laughs> I did not, I wasn't down I for this not. conversation, mom. Yeah, they, but you know what, they've gotten used to it. And now um, I feel like we have a good relationship as far as. You have a great relationship it. if you're able to do that. Most people. It's it, we, work though. People think you just sit down and have this one conversation about <laughs> mm-hmm. suicide or about sex or about whatever. It's the forever. I will forever be talking to them about. And they'll be forever grateful. I hope so. And also, I feel like because you're a single mom, it's even more important. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just, I think you, it's it's actually easier in some respects that, for me from when I was married and we would talk together, mostly mm-hmm. I'd be, you know, my husband never wanted to talk about sex in front of them. So he'd give it me that, 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 that you got the, that the privilege. I got uh-huh. that task. But it's also, um, because you're going out on dates and stuff, it's really right. imperative that they know that the, what secrets are going on. They they need to know that you know, oh, okay, mom slept out that night or whatever, and mm-hmm. it was good. It wasn't. She's using protection, and you know, so they don't have to worry about stuff like that. Right, and they and it's kind of been interesting because like when I started dating, well, first of all, I had to hide it because I wasn't allowed to, but. Uh, my daughter like had a boyfriend and she was able to talk to me about it yeah. and I could understand because I'm out there too. You could and give I her could, a vibrator. I could. Oh, this discussion's going on uh, on one of my Facebook groups about, uh, you know, should you buy your 16 year old a vibrator? Because it's better for her to learn that kind of thing Absolutely. than to just sit around and wait for some guy who probably isn't going to be able to give her an orgasm for a very long time. So yeah. we, we were asked that question yesterday on a podcast. They asked, uh, are you what pro would, vibrators? No, they were asked, the, what would you teach uh, young women mm-hmm. about sex and I said learning their own body through masturbation right and nobody ever talks about that I feel like they could talk more um, to men about masturbation I mean Kim do you do you talk about masturbating with your guy friends oh yeah yeah but women don't Mm-mm. we don't talk about it I mean, I, I mean I mean it's not like a thorough analysis of I actually sometimes we get into details on the ways that but I have you know I have a strange relationship with friends <laughs> No, but when you were younger, say before this whole podcast, and when I mean, did you start talking to your friend? Like, were you like twelve, going, "Hey guys, so I'm doing this cool thing in the shower. Like, no, do you guys do that too?" Yeah, no, it's kind of like the yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. Oh like wow, okay. conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have you tried this? This is fantastic. Did you try the soap? I whacked off the other day, and it was great. <laughs> yeah, that's the type. See, of girls, we don't do that. No, I think it's not expected that women masturbate. Well, it's not unfortunate. It's right. very unfortunate. But they, and then should, the they women, should be more so masturbating yes, than, than men. Exactly. Because if women don't know how 
their bodies work? How, how are they going to teach someone else? Exactly. Yeah. And how this poor guy is going, I don't know what to do with this thing. What is that? The clitoris? <laughs> what is that? Is that your asshole? Do I stick a finger in there? What do, do I do? Stick a finger in there. <laughs> uh, I wanted to chat about, I have a few topics I wanted to get to. Okay. Um, you mentioned earlier about how you have a fear of intimacy now. Yes. And yet you write a, you have a whole book of doing like the most intimate act. To me, they're like, not intimate. There's sex and then there's emotional intimacy, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I can have the raunchiest sex with someone I've never, I don't even know their name. Um, but sex with someone who wants to make eye contact with me, whose name I know, who we're in a relationship, that is very hard for me. Yeah, so, and I have the opposite problem mm-hmm. where... You have to have intimate sex. I have to have intimate sex because right. the other stuff feels like, oh, what yes. the fuck is That's going on here? That's what intimacy feels like to me. When a guy makes eye contact, I'm all, whoa, whoa. So <laughs> we have this inverse thing going on. We do. So what is what is it about this type of sex, the one that's less emotional, mm-hmm. less emotionally integrated, mm-hmm. as I think how the psychologists yes. call it. So what, what is it about that that is appealing? Something about it just feels safe, you know, because I feel like men that are having sex with me like that, um, I mean, there's fucking and there's making love. Ugh, I can't even say making love. <laughs> <laughs> we got some growth still to come. I need therapy. Um, but I feel like a man that is fucking me as opposed to making love with me, he's not trying to get to know me. He's not mm-hmm. being intimate, you I mean, know, I and that's safe. I don't want a guy trying to get to know me. Especially if that. you don't want a relationship. Yeah, exactly. You obviously are not wanting a relationship. I, yeah, I'm not in any place to have one right now. What would I do with one of a boyfriend right now? I don't know. You know, when I first became single, I was always with younger guys. And I think specifically because if I'm with younger guys, I'm not going to end up having a relationship with right. someone who's like it was a 15, protection 20, thing. 20 years younger than me. It's not going yeah. anywhere. But that allows you the freedom to just express yourself and not worry about right. any kind of obligations. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm writing my book about dating you the know, younger guys. Because it really works well for both. If neither one are in a position to have a, mm-hmm. uh, a relationship, then it makes it opens the door for all kinds of fun. And as long as everyone's honest about it, yeah, as long yeah. as everyone's like, okay, well, this is just kind of a casual thing. Yeah. And no feelings get involved. Like, why not? You yeah. know? So a couple of thoughts on this. Yes. One, the irony that you feel like you don't want people to know you that well. Right. And yet then I put that you're expressing there. all these intimate details in these books. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Two... Do I get to comment on yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, this is like, he's, he got you on the uh, witness stand here. Yeah, Where's the comment? Yeah, Can I get a drink? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it is an interesting dichotomy there because um, it's on my terms, though. The mm-hmm. books are on, on my terms. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, when you're in a relationship, you have to think about that other person. And you have to think, well, you know, they probably need me to be more verbally, you know, tell them how much I love them and and all of that. With my books, it's like it's completely uh, selfish and for my own therapy and it's on my terms. I have the control wow. in a relationship, you know, it's sexual relationship or um, boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. You you have to think of the other person. With my books, I don't. Hmm. Right, because you don't really care once you've had this casual sex with this guy what, what he's going to think about you yeah, like I afterwards. I don't give a fuck because I never see him again. Right. Right. You could be writing even, books about me. I right. don't know. And you're not even using their names. So they're numbers. They, you, they're numbers. Yeah. I love that. 
<laughs> Wild. Heard them. Yeah. Yeah. I like you. I also like the way you go ho one, ho two. Ho one. Yeah. I named the the horse. Yes. Um, which my editor was like, that might be a little much. And I'm all, nope. There's nothing too much. I'm glad your yeah. editor. I, I, that's have, how, yeah. that's how like they're known on my social media is ho one, ho well, two, ho three. I mean, what are they? Yeah. Yeah. They're what, they're, they're married women in front of you flirting and, and, you know, having your husband stick his face in their tits yes. in front of oh, you. That, that was, of, yeah, they're hoes. Yeah, they're hoes. I don't know what else to call that. They don't have names. Mm. I, I call them not being a peg up to your word. Don Miguel Ruiz is four agreements. Oh, wait, that is sounding familiar. I did uh-huh. hear you talking about that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've listened to a lot of your <laughs> podcasts. They're all running together. I so, love it. So the other thought that I, it, so right now I'm dealing with, um, and premature been, ejaculation. <laughs> Classic. Oh my God. Yes, of course. <laughs> I just had to throw those in you there. You guys so. know way too much about each other. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I've been stalking you guys since May. I'm obsessed. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so premature ejaculation. <sighs> but also, like, and since the beginning of the podcast, the role that sex fits into my life. Right. Because I tend to see uh, a lot of people my age, especially men, with this mindset of, hey, sex can be this casual thing that mm-hmm. is not totally emotional and connected. Right. And you can... You can have it, and it's very pleasuresome, and it doesn't need to be that serious. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the mentality that my mom. Right. This who is me? why this plays off so well. Who me? Yeah, you're like <laughs> yeah, very, you, Miss Innocent. Progressive, and he's very prudish. That's what. <laughs> and you would think it, it would be opposite because usually the moms are so. Yeah. So, it, it, so there's a constant question: Am I in the wrong? Am I? It, it's, you know, it's the blue right. cheese question, which is like. This, blue cheese and no one likes blue cheese when they first start having blue cheese I like it on my salad I like it oh, I like it in my olives, olives. with martini. oh you're from Chicago then oh, that's a Chicago so thing that, I'm going to Chicago sorry go ahead but over Just time over time you, you like, like t- tasting blue cheese enough you start developing a taste for it are you comparing my sex life to blue cheese I'm, that would be my approach to your sex life Blue cheese <laughs> it would be blue cheese it would be like do I how many times do I have to try having casual uh, sex before I like disintegrated, it disintegrated emotionally disintegrated sex by uh, until I start appreciating it so basically you need to go out and just have lots of sex I don't know if this is the answer well why do you feel like there's something wrong with you wanting to have emotional sex just find someone that likes that too I'm I'm That's worried pretty much I'm, everyone tells you you're yeah, okay Cam it's no, no, okay no, 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 there's no, nothing no, no. I'm worried that down the line I'll, I'll look back and be like damn look I should have been a whore no yes. yeah no. he's doing the FOMO about it, his sex the FOMO but you have sex. had a lot of casual sex you've had probably a more few. casual but no. you don't enjoy it as much as you enjoy like committed no, relationship no, right. connection sex. but this is like yeah. weed for me you know the first several times I just smoked way too much weed and I was like oh this is the worst experience of my life <laughs> but then when you have it in moderation it's amazing right I don't well, even know if you like it in moderation now so it's, it is like weed right circumstances very select right circumstances I can, I can enjoy it I still mm-hmm. try to push him to smoke weed with me and he's always <laughs> reluctant i'll smoke weed with you <laughs> and have some martinis of blue cheese olives blue cheese olives so it's this interesting question about you know and and it sounds like you are moving you're like i need therapy and i'm kind of moving towards right. this more emotionally integrated sex life right well you know what i think it just depends on what you want if i really want it get to a point where i want a boyfriend I am going to have to. This is a problem that I can't have emotional sex. That's when, that is when someone told me, because I was, after my husband died, I was like, I, I don't need therapy. I'm fine. Yeah. And they said, wait till you start dating somebody. Right. It'll bring everything Everything. Up. And, and I, every breakup for someone who has lost a spouse oh. is like magnified. And you're it's having like to like re-grieve because there's been, since my breakup a few weeks ago, there's been several like, you know, back in the fetal position in my husband's jacket. I just want him back. 
break. And mm. it's like, I haven't done that in a while, in a long time. But the breakup kind of restirred that, like, I'm all alone. I'm going to die alone kind of thing. And um, how did we get off on that? That's really sad. Wait, so no, this, is, I th- this has been my experience with every breakup I've gone through, too. It's right. a very similar feeling. Because it's, it's, it's a living you've been death. A, you've, been yeah. a, you've been you abandoned. Have to mourn that. Yes, there's a lot of rejection. It, it's a fear of abandonment that happens. And, or it's and a I, feeling of loss. Yeah. Which is, which is the same. Then same you lost as, your dad. Yeah. Your husband, husband, yeah. And so then it's all tied. I think our brain is like the loss sector. Right. And then so Cam. thing is all tied in together. Also was attracted to. From a kid's perspective. Sorry. Is, yeah, he was attracted. Mm-hmm. You told me this. You were attracted to women who had um, lost a parent, usually right. uh, for, through divorce. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Or who, who had some, I, I think it's mainly that it had, had gone through some some something some sort tragedy of trauma. or trauma mm-hmm. that can understand the depth right. that's well, created you have in to that be way. Like, how are you going to relate to someone that's had this beautiful rosy life? And then they're like, "So, how about your life?" Right, you know, right, like, right. Oh, they would murder. You can't. Yeah, you can't. They can't yeah. relate to you, and you can't relate to them. And I think there's some some sort of subconscious undertone vibey thing happening where totally. we attract the people that we need, and vice versa. And I found I found most of my young guys. Um, had lost a father mm-hmm. and they had this feeling of protection for their mom. And, and so when they met me, they're like, it was a, just a, 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 a very nurturing bond that we had for each other. Mm-hmm. No, I found that I've, and I don't know if it's because suicide is so prevalent now, um, but I have slept with a lot of guys and then later found out they had suicide in their family. Wow. They had, so like, mm. oh, I'll never forget this one. Um, God, was it 4th of July a few years ago? I, I don't know. There was some holiday. I brought a guy home and he knew nothing about me. He didn't know what I did. Didn't know anything. We had the sex and, um, we ended up just kind of chit chatting after. And I kind of liked him. He's a younger guy, maybe 22. He's a baby. Oh. And, um, I was like, Oh, so what do you, what brought you out tonight? Or what are you partying for? He's like, Oh, um, you know, it's my brother's birthday. And I was like, Oh, how old is he? He's like, Oh no, he, uh, he, he killed himself last year. And I was like, Oh God, I'm sorry to hear that. And he's like, yeah, well my father did it the year before. So I guess it's a trend. He kind of made something oh sarcastic. And God. I just remember in my head going, Oh my God. Like, and then we had amazing sex after that. <laughs> of course. Are you at all concerned for your kids that this gene or whatever it is? Oh, and yes. Um, I can't really even go into much detail because I'll just start crying. But um, that's, again, why I think talking to them about mm. sex addiction, about depression, um, they have it on both sides of their family. Um, my, my daughter's biological father, their suicide on her family, uh, and now my son. So, yes, um, it's pretty much in my head 24 seven. Um, but I try to take it and the first few years it was crippling. Now I try to take it and, and, and put it into action and be proactive about it. Um, we talk about foods that help with depression, exercise that helps with depression, um, medications if they need that one day, how I had to go on meds for my depression and there's nothing wrong with that. Just kind of just talking and taking the stigma away, especially for boys. Boys don't get to talk about depression in our society. Feelings, they don't yeah. get to go to their friends and cry and say, you know, I'm feeling really sad about this, this or this. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I had, I think maybe more concerns um, for my son, but accepting that suicide is something that's out of my control helps. Um, and then just knowing that I, there's only so much I can do. And education, mm-hmm. I think, is key. And, and, and thankfully, we are in a society, that we're kind of coming around, you know, with suicide and talking about it in, in our culture. But I just heard that a nine-year-old boy killed himself because uh, he came out as being gay. Yeah. Oh. Well, and that's a huge thing, too, in the LGBTQIA community. I'm trying to get the acronym yeah. right. And because we're starting to be more open about that, too. Hopefully, that will decrease some of the suicides, especially amongst um, transgender people. I think they have the highest suicide rate yeah. of 
of all of the LGBTQIA community. <laughs> when I get it right, I'm trying to be politically <laughs> the correct. The whole alphabet soup. All of them. <sighs> I'm interested in this idea of moving forward, mm-hmm. how you're going to break this pattern of... Of suicide, of sex, of what? Which I've got a lot of patterns, Cam. <laughs> I mean, it, and it sounds like you're doing the work to break this pattern. Yes. It, but it is a very interesting um, uh, situation that you that you found that you are attracted to, to men with mental illness who are, right. are suicidal mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a pretty it's pretty amazing that this is a very it's like a. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to see you going through this process mm-hmm. and to be so open about it and sharing it. Uh, is Did I tell you, Cam? I said, we got to get this girl on the show. Yeah, there, there's something I think so... I forced my way on the <laughs> show. I've been stalking <laughs> your poor mother. There, there's something about the honest... Like, living with such honesty can just free you because well, you have nothing to hide. It frees everybody else is what I've learned, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. We have definitely found that to be the case. Yeah. The more you when open you, up about then it, the other more people, people open up. And I, I think Oprah Winfrey talks about how she's interviewed, you know, a bazillion people. And the one thing they all had in common, every single guest, every single movie star, every single person, they all needed to be validated. Hmm. And I think that's what I seek to do in my work is if you're honest, you put it out there, they feel validated in their feelings because they go, oh my gosh, I get, I get constant emails all day long from people just saying, I, I, I've been hiding the fact that I've been having sex since my husband died. I didn't know. I, I thought I was the only one. Oh my gosh. And then they feel validated. Like I'm mm-hmm. not crazy. This is okay. This is a normal reaction. And then it frees them. Yeah. So freeing yourself other people yeah and, i mean this goes for therapists as well a lot of the their training is in relation to how do you validate this person right and say yeah it's okay to have those feelings right it, often that's all we need to hear right and that's what i do i'm a i'm a life coach too and i have this big board in front of uh in my in front of my desk in my office where i where I, when i'm coaching them i um, i do it remotely over the phone shameless plug um, <laughs> no, that's no, what it I'm says a, i just I'm have a big word that, that says this. it says validate empathize mm. empower Mm. So that's what I seek to do. You have to validate. You have to meet these people where they're at, find out what they're doing, and then just say, "That's okay. That's mm-hmm. okay. You should feel that way. You should be pissed. You should be drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it would be weird. Maybe if not you, too drunk, but you not should too, be but drunk. It would be weird if if this tragedy happened and you just went on with your normal life. That yeah. would be strange. Yeah, you know, having sex with men, you know, on bathroom floors or bars, that is not strange. That's a, a perfectly normal reaction to Except a trauma. Except if you're a germaphobe. Yeah. <laughs> well, after a few drinks, like germs don't exist. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do people find your work? Um, the main place is just my website, mouthymichellesmusings.com. That is not a blowjob reference. <laughs> Wait, say um, that again. Mouthy Michelle's mouthy, Musings. Mouthy, yes. Yeah, mouth, that's my whole Instagram is mouthy underscore Michelle. But the website, if you just go to the website, mouthymichellesmusings.com, it has my merch store. You can sign up for widow coaching. You can get my books. You you know, links to all my social media. Um, yeah, that's really where it's at. And I just started my Facebook like fan page. Um, so it's kind of growing, but... Um, follow her guys follow her you yes, will not be follow. sorry and have you ever walked in on a parent having sex or ha- have your kids walked I in thinking, on you i or thought you might ask me that on the way up here my uh my daughter has definitely walked in <laughs> <laughs> on sex and the next day my husband went and bought locks for the doors uh-huh. she was little she was like three or four i don't think she remembers but i do remember walking in on my parents um, when I was like 17, I remember I had gone out and came in late and my mom would always say, well, when you get in, just come, just yell, you know, Hey, I'm home, you know? <laughs> and so I walked back and I could hear it. Oh, uh, 
You're and that is all I want to say about that. <laughs> Change the subject. Well, thank you very thank much you very for coming much. on the thank show. You guys for having me. This was awesome. Punk. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.